0: For the things she'd forgotten, she needed. Now the wind in her face, her fingertips stinging with the cold. She wasn't thinking very clearly. But if she was thinking anything, it was the fish, lean cuisine. Pop it in the microwave, wash it down with two glasses of Chardonnay, and then read till she fell away into the deeps of her midday sleep, that was all but indistinguishable from a coma. Or maybe she'd watch a movie, because she was exhausted, and a movie required less effort than a book. Though she'd seen each of the twenty-three cassettes on the shelf over the TV so many times she could have stopped their ears and cinched a blindfold over her eyes and watched them all the same. She was just mounting the steps to her trailer when a shadow detached itself from the gloom beneath the doorstep and presented a recognizable face to her. This was One Eye, the feral tom that lived with his various paramours in the secret fastness beneath the trailer, an animal she neither encouraged nor discouraged. She'd never had a cat, never especially liked them and Robert, when he was alive, wouldn't have an animal in the house. Every once in a while she'd toss a handful of kibble out in the yard feeling charitable. But the cat was a bird killer. More than once she'd come home to find feathers scattered around the steps, and she probably would have got rid of it if it weren't for the mice. Since he'd moved in beneath the trailer, she'd stopped finding the slick black mouse pellets in the cupboards and scattered across the kitchen counter, and she didn't like to think of the diseases they carried. At any rate, there he was, one eye, just staring at her as if she'd somehow intruded on him. And she was about to say something, to raise her voice in a soft, silly, half-lubricated falsetto and murmur, Kitty, kitty, when the cat suddenly darted back under the steps and she looked up to see a man coming around the corner of the trailer opposite hers. He walked in a jaunty, almost demented way, closing quickly on her with a big artificial grin on his face. He was selling something, that was it. And before she could get her key in the door, he was right there. Good morning, he boomed. Lovely morning, huh? Don't you love the cold? He was tall, she saw. Nearly as tall as she was, perched atop the third step. And he was wearing some sort of animal skin hat with a ragged frizz of a tail dangling in back. Coonskin, she wanted to call it, only she saw right away that this wasn't raccoon, but something else. Need a hand? No, she said. And she would have closed out the scene right there but for the look in his eyes. He wanted something, but he didn't want it desperately, and he wasn't selling anything. She could see that now. There was a mystery here, and at this hour of the morning with two doers and sodas in her and nothing to look forward to but the fish and the chardonnay and the sleep of the dead, she felt the prick of it. No thanks, she added. I can manage. And she was pushing open the door when he made his pitch. I was just wondering if you might have a minute to spare, to talk, just a minute, that's all. A Jesus freak, she was thinking, all I need. She was halfway through the door, looking back at him, down at him. But he must have been 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and his fixed blue eyes were nearly on a level with hers. No, she said, I don't think so. I work nights and... He lifted his eyebrows and the corners of his mouth went up a notch. Oh, no, 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 he said. I'm not a Bible thumper or anything like that. I'm not selling anything, nothing at all. I'm your neighbor, is old Todd Gray from over on Bett Street. The wind was at war with the heater and the soft, warm, slightly rancid smell of home that emanated from the pillows of the built-in couch and the cheap floorboards in the kitchen counter and the molded plastic strips of the ceiling. She was half in and half out, and he was standing there on the frozen ground. No, he said, no, as if she were protesting. I just want to talk to you about question 62, that's all, and I won't take a minute of your time." She was down on her hands and knees for so long her back began to ache. Her lower back, right at the base of the spine where gravity tugged at the bunched muscles there and her stomach sagged beneath them. And she could feel the burden of her torso in her shoulders and wrists. She was there so long the mist began to lift and an oblivious snail slid out from the furls of one of the plants and etched a trail across the knuckles of her right hand. But she didn't want to move. She couldn't move. She was beyond fear now and deep into the realm of fascination, of magic and wonder and the compelling strangeness of the moment. A tiger. A tiger in her garden. No one would believe it. No one not Doug snoring in the bedroom or Anita locked away at her trailer with its frozen skirt of snow and the wind sitting in the north. The tiger hadn't moved. It sat there on its haunches like a dog anticipating a treat, braced on its big buff paws, ears erect, tail twitching, watching her. She'd been talking to it in a low voice for some time now, offering up blandishments against the dwindling nugget of her fear, saying, Good boy, good cat, that's right, yes. And here her voice contracted to a syrupy chirp, He just wants a little love, doesn't he? A little love, yeah? The animal made no sign it understood, but it stayed there, pressed to the face.